Now, last week we talked about being strong in the grace, and that came from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. As Paul just said, be strong in the grace. And we talked about the different things that that possibly could mean, uh, certainly being strong and being great, having grace to other people. Uh, or it could be be strong in the grace you receive and how that motivates us. And that's more of what I focused on. That's kind of how I take it, is really understanding the grace of God and what it means to me, and let that be the motivation and the strength for my life and how I live. The being strong in the grace. But the very next sentence is where we're going today. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. He says, you'll be strong in the grace, and, and all that. And then he says, right after that, and the things that you've heard me say, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men, who will also be qualified to teach others. Now, I've been wrestling with this because I thought, you know, for a long time I kind of had the traditional view of this scripture. And this is just, you know, this is like the Holy Spirit's big plan of evangelism and, and, and things like that. And I think that there's a certain truth in that. But the more I, I would dig into it, I think it's, it's, it's deeper than that. And something that we can, we can look at here together. Now, in my research and studying this out, I found this article by this fellow who said that this is a verse of scripture that is for a special group of Christians. Uh, the more serious Christians. In his article, he mentioned that the majority of people will just want to accept Jesus as their Savior and be saved, and then that's, that's good enough for them. They're, they're fine with that. And then there's a special elite group that Paul was talking about here that will go on and take it deeper and more seriously, and we call them disciples. The only problem with that interpretation is, is that Jesus does not support it. This theology Jesus does not give. Jesus actually talked about the opposite of that. He calls everyone who wishes to follow him to be disciples. Matter of fact, that's the term he used more often than not. Anyone or everyone or whomever, he used these phrases, wants to come after me. If you want to follow me, this is what you do. There were no tears or levels of commitment to being a disciple of Jesus. If I'm going to follow Jesus, Jesus made it clear. I've, I've, I've got to be willing to put him first in my life to the best of my ability. If I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus or even just follow Jesus, then I need to be like him in every way I can to the best of my ability and at least be growing in that and working in that direction. If I wanted to be a disciple of Jesus, then his desires, his will, his kingdom, his mission becomes my number one priority. And, and, and of course, there's differences in maturity and differences of experience. And, and certainly there are differences, times in our lives, even as, as Steve mentioned this morning, sometimes we go through disappointments or different struggles that will affect sometimes, you know, how we are and where, where we're at. And I understand that. But it's not an option just to say, oh, that's just not me. I, I'm not that level of Christian. I'm this level. That was not an option. Jesus said we're all, all in. Or we're not in at all. And not have different standards. But the proliferation of this false teaching, that it's okay to adopt and say, I'm just not that way. That's just not me. It's killing the church. And you say, how? Well, have you ever wondered wonder why it is that churches, not some churches, but almost every church, every church, at some point 
stops growing, slows down, and then dies off. When I'm talking church, I'm talking about like congregations. And this has been traced throughout history. Whole studies have been done on why this happens or that this happens. There's, there's confusion on why, but I think we're going we're to talk about at least one of the causes today that I believe this happens. But I know like, like the church I grew up in, back in the 60s, it was like 800 members. And since I was born in 61, I still have memories of this huge crowd. Okay? And it had this big place. By the time Phyllis and I left and, and, and moved out there uh, from that congregation, it was down to less than 100 Still in the same place, can you imagine half of this crowd, let's just say this side, meeting in an auditorium made for 800 people? How depressing was that? <laughs> I mean, no, you didn't have to sit next to anybody if you didn't want to, you know. There's plenty of room to graze and roam. And it's not just that. I mean, even in our family of churches, when we were in Boston, it was baptizing 1,650 people around a year. Now it's, a, it's a barely a fraction of that. Why? Why is that? The same thing happened in the book of Judges. You could trace it. These people were with God. It was great. Then they would leave God, and then trouble would start. Then they'd repent, be with God. It'd be great. But this all happened on a generational level. It would happen over decades. It'd be great, and then it would die off. The cause? I think lack of discipleship. Or calling all people to discipleship. Now, I'm not talking about discipleship like a discipleship partner. That's merely a, a structure or a method to meet a purpose or a goal. And I think being in each other's lives is part of what Paul's talking about here, definitely. But I'm not talking about the structure, discipleship partners, that might come to mind uh, for some of us as I use that phrase. I'm talking about discipleship as Paul sees it in 2 Timothy 2, 2. Those, that verse right there. This is not a lesson on evangelism. It's not a lesson on discipleship partners and all of those things. What we're going to see here is four different parts of this verse. We're just going to dissect the verse to properly understand discipleship in the Bible. As Paul sees it and we'll see our role in it. Let me read this verse again. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So the first thing we're going to talk about is content. The things you've heard. He says, the things. Sounds like it violates every uh, rule of good writing, right? It's just so generic. The things. I mean, if you, but if you're reading through the whole letter, and remember, this is not a, a book written, originally written, broken down into chapters and verses. It was a letter from one disciple of Jesus to another disciple of Jesus. And you understand, you read it, and you know very well, you, it's very clear what the things are that he's talking about. He's speaking about them, and he's been speaking about them all along. We find it in, in, in chapter 1, verse 10, he says, the things are actually the gospel. And then on in verse 13 and 14, a little bit later, he says more clearly, he says, what you've heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus and guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Paul says it, the things, he's talking about this pattern of sound teaching. And then the very next thing, sentence he says, and this is a treasure, man. 
It's something special. Guard it. It's been entrusted to you. You've been given this responsibility, something precious, something valuable, like a family heirloom. It's just this one-of-a-kind thing. Take good care of it. The, the words, the things, the things you've heard me say, basically summarizes all the Christian teaching and all the benefits towards God's people. Now, perhaps we need to pause here for a moment and think about those things that God has passed on to our lives and what our attitude is towards them. I want us to think about something. In, in the 1450s, that's a long time ago, this cat named Gutenberg invented the first movable print press. First thing he printed was a Bible. And people went mad dog crazy. Because all of a sudden, before that, only the priests and certain ones had anything in the Bible. And if you wanted to know what the Bible, you just had to trust what they said. Now they thought anybody can have a Bible. Now the truth is, is it was going to take a while for them to print enough and for them to get distributed for anyone to really have it. But people went crazy. The priesthood uh, went crazy. Oh, we can't let the Bible get in the hands of the people. They did everything they could to stop it. Horrible things were done. Entire villages or towns were wiped out, killed to keep the Bible under wraps. Didn't want it out. It seems crazy to us today because where are we today? Bible is everywhere. It's so available. Let me ask a question. How many right here now have the, your Bible with you right now on your PDA of some sort, your electronic smart device? How many? Raise your hands. Okay. And those of you who don't have it with you right now, how many of you have it at home on some device somewhere, somehow, some way? Even more. Yeah. Pretty much everybody. You can log in right now to the church's account as you come into this room and pull up Bible Gateway and get 54 different versions in English of the Bible right at your fingertips. And dozens and dozens of other languages. If Jason wants it in Chinese, he goes, I wonder what that says in Chinese. Boom, boom, boom. It's right there. If, if, Jaime wants to see it in Spanish. He can just look it up. Boom, boom, boom. It's right there. See? It's, the Bible, it's, it's, it's all over the place. And then if you wanted to really figure things out, I mean, we, we've talked about this. We've taught on this. We've done, you know, displays on exactly how to do it. You know, you can go to different websites. That'll break it down. Every individual Greek word that the New Testament was written in or the Hebrew that the Old Testament was and what did that word mean and, and it'll actually have two or three different dictionaries to help you figure out. I mean, it's all over the place. How well do you really know the things? Though, is it so common, is it so easy that we just take it for granted? Have we been doing it so long that we take it for granted? The, thing, the first thing, the content, is the foundation. You know, we have this silly rule, and it's not silly in one way, but we bring it up all the time and say, if it comes up, look it up. Why do we do that? Because we're so flippant about just tossing out what the Bible says. Does it really? Let's look it up. It might say that. It might not. Let's look it up. Because we're always trying to, no, no, get back in the Word. Get back in the Bible. What does the Bible actually say? And even if I can quote it, there's something a little more powerful about actually reading it. 
You know, just something psychologically, it sinks in more. I don't know. But where are we on the things that Paul taught, that Jesus taught, that are in the Word of God? Do we hunger and thirst after it, really? Or have we replaced the Word of God with the enthusiasm and the uh, euphoria, the emotion of singing? Or great fellowship? Or church events? See, those are all good things. I'm not against any of that, right? But they're not supposed to take the place of the things. That those, that's what we're supposed to pass on. Is the Word. That's got to be that foundation. Where are the things in your life? Now he says, you take these things and you train others. Things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust. The gospel needs to be passed on. It must be communicated. And what is must be, that's been defined, that's the things, we've already talked about that. And Timothy was to stay true to what was passed on. Passing on is not optional, it's generational. The gospel is not just a privilege to be received, it's a duty to transmit. It comes with it. It's a trust. A sacred trust. But I'm not, again, again, it's not just talking about evangelism. Because it's a lifelong thing to pass on the things you've heard. Paul will go on just a little bit later in his lesson to Timothy and say, Now, Timothy, you teach this. Teach the older guys to teach the younger guys. Teach the older women to teach the younger women. Everybody's got a job to discipleship. To passing on what you've seen, what you've heard, what's been entrusted to you. Is your life summarized by a passion to invest what God has taught you? To invest that in somebody else's life. Now you might object. You might say, well, I ain't Paul now. He's an apostle. That's not me. Well, that's true. We're not apostles. But then again, Timothy, he wasn't born a minister. He was born into a spiritually divided family with a pagan father. But Paul said, let me take you into my life here and let me teach you. And he raised him up and he changed his life completely because he passed this on to him. Took Timothy on a complete different trajectory in his life. And Paul wasn't just teaching Timothy because he, you know, Timothy was a minister. So he just had to teach Timothy how to be a really good minister. Because sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking the answer is a really good minister. If you got a really good minister, all will go well. And if things don't go well, well, we need to get a new minister. Now here's the deal. It's not about the minister. Which is weird because that's me and I go, it ain't about me. Paul taught Timothy to teach others who would in turn teach others. And then the Spirit thought that was so profound or the Spirit inspired him or whatever, but he wrote it down for us. Paul wasn't training a minister. He was training the whole flock of God through what he was teaching Timothy. Because everyone needs to know the Word of God. Everyone needs to pass on the truth to others. That's how churches grow. 
That's how the gospel stays fresh. That's how it stays exciting. It's not that, well, we get a minister who's really great preacher and then people will come to check him out. No, it's when everybody who's been entrusted passes it on to someone else who was entrusted who passes it on to someone else. That's when, that's when we fulfill 2 Timothy 2. And we strive, we strive to teach content. I went look over my files for the past nine years. It was all the subjects that have been taught here in Bible class. It's astounding. Several of them have been taught two or three times. Go over it again, go over it again, go over it again, again. And we keep trying to teach, and we got, you know, Larry back there cranking Leviticus for us. A book most of us would never read otherwise. Okay, and he's bringing it alive for us. Why? Because we got well, these things are in there, and we need to learn so that we can pass them on and trust it. We need to be faithful to those that are in our charge around us. Because I'll agree, Paul. Paul is an apostle. We're not like Paul. He had a special responsibility to build up those under his charge. But here's the point. He was responsible with his responsibility. And that's the same with us. Paul's success depended upon the faithfulness of those under his charge. Same with us. We've all been given a charge. We've all been given responsibility to different degrees. But we all have somebody in our life. Parents, all your kids are under your charge. There's a responsibility there. Will I be responsible with it? The elders are responsible to some degree and varying degree for the whole flock. House church leaders to a certain degree are responsible for their house church. House church members are responsible for the fellow members of their house church. See, we don't ask everyone to be in a house church just because you need this. We ask everybody to be in a house church because other people need you. Sometimes we say, well, I don't know, I don't need that. Yeah, but they might need you. And you not go and rob someone else. You've got a responsibility to do what? Entrust to reliable men. To pass on the torch. To pass it on. To help others grow to be more and more like Jesus. Students, your roommates, your fellow classmates, they're in your charge. You've got a responsibility. Fellow employees, employers, you get the picture. You see what we're talking about? We've all been entrusted with a message to someone. And we keep calling and helping to teach others to be like Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul said that his crown and his joy was the faithfulness of those that had been entrusted to him. Our crown and joy is the faithfulness of those under our charge. I see this, I hear this, and I feel like, man, I just need more grace. (laughs) I I need to pray more. And we do need to pray for God's grace, but we also need to take our charge seriously and pray for more grace. Entrusting the word to others. Who do I entrust it to? Well, he just tells us. Reliable people. Entrust to reliable men. 
Reliable is the same word in the Bible, same root word that we, we translate faith in other places. And I think the definition here, we got a definition, Bob? Actually, I, I know we do. I asked that question. But rely, a person who show themselves faithful in the transaction of business, the execution of commands, or the discharge of official duties, they can be relied upon. That's reliable. That's, that's the word. He says, that's who you entrust the gospel. There's a responsibility that comes with the gospel. And who is worthy of the gospel? Reliable people. Faithful people. Paul tells Timothy to guard the truth by finding the teachable ones and entrusting them with the gospel. And faithful individuals are characterized by the way they live their life of faith. That's how you know. He says you need to take your training and train the faithful, those that actually respond to what you're teaching. Now, this is a touchy subject. And we know it is. Who do we teach? Everyone. Because how do you know who's going to re be reliable with the gospel until you preach the gospel? You don't know. You've got to preach it. You've got to teach it first. Who do we who do we baptize? Those who show themselves to be faithful and reliable. Those who see the gospel and say, I respond to it. It's seen in their lives. John the Baptist, as was mentioned earlier today, and the Apostle Paul both told people, go produce evidence by your actions, fruit, that you've really got this, that you're going to be reliable, that you're going to be faithful with what you've been taught. Go produce fruit in keeping with your repentance. Jesus uses a similar analogy when he says, by their fruit, you'll know. By their actions, what they do. Are they going to be reliable or not? Some who actually show themselves to be unreliable or unfaithful are insulted when you point that out. You know, we say, wait a minute. Don't tell me I don't love God. But as Larry mentioned this morning, is it really love or is it just an emotional feeling towards? Don't say, I love God, but you're completely unreliable with what's being taught. It's not having any effect on your life. People can be proved unreliable. They, 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 you try to share the word with them. You try to talk to them about being more like Jesus. And I'm not talking about studying the Bible with somebody. I'm even right here in this room. As we share with, to be more like Jesus, and they get mad. They get defensive. Walking away. How dare you question my love for God. The thing is, I'm not questioning your love or not. I'm just saying right now, man, you ain't being like Jesus. And I'm trying to be reliable self with what has been entrusted to me by helping you become more like Jesus. Okay, that's what I'm trying to do here. And we got to say, am I? Am I reliable? Am I a faithful person? He says right here, that's who, that's who you really entrust the word to. The people that they're going to take it. The, the good soil that takes it and, and, and says, all right, I'll let it grow. I'll let it work in my life. James said, show me your faith without your actions. I'll show you my faith by what I do. I'll show you what faithful really is by what I do. If I've got to explain to you that I'm faithful, chances are maybe you might not be that faithful. If I've got to convince you because you can't see it in my life, I'm just saying. 
Paul charges Timothy to find the faithful, reliable people and entrust them with the gospel. And then they will pass it on. Why? Because they're reliable. They're faithful. They will pass it on to others. Paul's not building up a big ministry staff here. He's building up a church of disciples. That's what this is all about. These reliable people who will, number four, pass the torch to the next generation. That's a weird verse here when it says, or weird wording here, it says entrusted to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others. That word qualified messes people up. But I looked it up. Because qualified, we think, you know, we start thinking, especially in our culture, this emphasis on higher education and validation and certification. And it causes me to think I need this special training and this special ability or whatever to be qualified. And so it's really easy to say, hey, I'm not qualified. Now, certain fields, that's true, okay? I, I want my doctors to have special training. I want the guy flying or the woman flying my airplane to have special training. All right? But right here, that, the, the word actually just means enough or able. You know, basically, we could say entrusted to reliable people who will be able to teach others. Or that's the, the, who will have enough, they'll just be enough to teach others. They've got what it takes. They've got what they can do to teach other people. Now, you may not be able to preach a sermon. You may not be able to be uh, up and teach an in-depth study in Leviticus or things like that. Or you may not be able to answer all these difficult Bible questions. But everyone can share what God has done for them. Everyone can say, hey, I was reading in my Bible this morning in my time with God this verse. And just share it with somebody. And everyone can learn and grow and do a little more if, they, if, if we just learn and grow. Everyone is enough. Everyone is able. Everyone who is a disciple of Jesus is entrusted with this. And the question is, will I be faithful with it? Will I be reliable with what I've been given? Let's return to the problem at the beginning that I talked about as we start to wrap up. Why do churches and Christian families die out? Because they neglect this, this discipleship. They do not carefully set before the next generation the truths of God. And I'm not talking about the next generation as our children, although that is important. I'm talking about the next group of disciples. The next group of people that bring and come into the Lord. And then to continue to pass on to them through the rest of their Christian life. Someone is teaching more and more and more to be like Jesus. All the things that I've been entrusted with, I just want to pass on to help them grow and mature. And then they do that with others. See, sometimes we get too locked into evangelism. We reach out. Who's open? Who's reliable? We study the Bible. We baptize them. See you later. Okay, next. Who's open? And again, that's how it dies. We've got to realize that, no, it's a, it's a constant thing. Actually, I think in the context of what Paul's talking about here in, in all of Timothy... He's actually talking about within the church and helping to raise up and, and, and mature everyone, not just evangelism. It's the two parts of discipleship. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, okay? It's the most important verse, important, popular at least. We talk about going to all the world and make disciples, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. It shows the progression, the same progression. He, he tells these guys, go, make disciples, Okay, once you find those people that are, they understand what that means, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be reliable, I'm going to be faithful with what the Word of God calls me to do, baptize them, and then teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. One of the things I just commanded you was go and make disciples. 
So you're teaching everybody to do this. It's not just the minister. It's not just the apostle. It's not just the missionary. It's everybody. And it's all part of discipleship. Discipleship starts when you talk about the gospel. Sometimes we call it a spiritual conversation. I had a good spiritual conversation with someone. That's discipleship. When you're trying to help someone, anyone to become more like Jesus, that's discipleship. You are looking for that reliable person to entrust. Sometimes we call it a Bible study. But that's just discipleship. That's a little more focused, but it's discipleship. And sometimes we call it discipling. (laughs) Or a discipleship partner. But it's all the same thing, it's just a little more focused. It's all part of 2 Timothy 2.2. I pray that we'll all prove to be reliable, faithful disciples. That we will look at our house churches, our campus ministry, our teen ministries, the people involved in our lives, the people that I can get involved with. We'll all look and say, you know what? I've been entrusted with something. I've got to be reliable and pass what I've been entrusted with on to these other people. That's what I'm called to do. Steve, this morning, was giving a communion talk. No, he was discipling us. He was discipling us on how to be like Jesus when hard things happen and expectations don't, aren't reached. He was discipling us. We can say, well, I'm going through a hard time. Well, you know what? Then you get to teach other people. That's part of what's getting entrusted to you. To teach other people. Because we all, from time to time, go through a hard time. And we all need to know how do we handle this. All of that's part of it. That's why we need everybody, everybody involved. Not because as a preacher I want to say, we have perfect attendance. That's a dream I gave up a long time ago. It's not because of that at all. It's because we need everybody. We've all been entrusted with different things. We've all been entrusted with different experiences, different challenges, different hurdles that we've learned to overcome and to become more like Jesus. And we've been entrusted with that message to help somebody else. Let us be reliable with it. Let's be faithful with it. Let's not sit on it and say, oh, I can't do that. Yes, you can. I believe you can. And I believe it's my job to help push you a little bit to do that. To encourage you to do that. Why? Because we need you. We need everyone to take the things that we have seen and the things that we have heard in the presence of many witnesses to take those things and entrust them to reliable people who then will be qualified to teach others. Amen.